and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how'd you do without me last week? I barely did without you. <laughs> considering you were getting married, I, I let it go. All right, I appreciate that. How, how does married life uh, feel to you right now? Um, You know, it's... Um, I'm still a little tired from the weekend. I'm up in Tampa now. So, uh, for, for the Panthers, uh, playoff series, missed the first few games of that series. Not, not great timing, but, uh, excited to, uh, see maybe the final days of, of this Panthers season now in person. Uh, I think my adrenaline will get going again tonight and I'll be, uh, I'll be back in good shape. Are you, wait, wait, David, are, are you wearing your, are you wearing a ring? Like I am, I am. And I'm just constantly like playing with it. Okay. All right. Maybe you, maybe you could wear it longer than the two weeks my husband wore it. <laughs> I kind of like it, but uh, we'll, like you said, we'll see what it looks like in uh, two weeks when I get tired of it. Um, all right. So we are going to, it's a little quiet week here. Um, we are going to, you and Barry last week talked about the 11 or 12 freshmen uh, coming to campus over the weekend. Uh, we're going to keep, that, that to me is kind of the most interesting thing these days, the, those 12 guys, just the time to kind of think about, talk about some of those guys. Uh, we've got, we've each put together top five lists of the, uh, the freshmen we're most interested in seeing this coming mm-hmm. season. Um, I believe actually everyone we have listed, we did not see in the spring um, or, or saw, I, I think one of them oh. we maybe saw in the spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, uh, I think most of the, mo- some of the most interesting guys, uh, we just have not seen yet because they got to campus uh, this month. Um, we're still waiting for recruiting to start back up. We'll probably talk on that a little bit next week. Uh, maybe we'll get to some baseball at the end here. Uh, off the top, though, just your quick thoughts, Miami, Alabama, 3.30 p.m. I, I know you're excited about that. Yes. I was. I personally was very happy. I mean, 3.30 means it's getting into the, the print, into the <laughs> – Oh, Miami Herald that you can hold and feel and look at today. Yep. Uh, and it's a big Sunday paper. So hopefully we'll have our own photographs and, uh, you know, we'll be able to get our stories in there. But, um, and, and, and it's, I think it's personally, I think it's a great time. You know, the it's, it's not like it's noon and the, and the game still will go into the evening. Um, and um, I just, I like the time personally. How about you? Yeah, I love it. Those are, um, you know, sometimes the the most exciting, uh, like time when time window of the day. I think because, you know, obviously ESPN's doing it because you don't want to put it a game that you think might be a blowout in that uh, that seven o'clock range, which you know Miami's going to be a pretty big underdog. Yes, um, but like you said, from the selfish perspective of we get all of our stuff to be in print, or at least some of our stuff to be in print, that's mm-hmm. great. Um, and for Miami fans, if Miami gets killed, uh, you can you got plenty of time to drink for the rest of the night. And if they win, you have plenty of time to celebrate. So uh, it's a win-win. I today. like that. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Great thought there. Yep. Um, all, all good. Yeah. So uh, let's dive into um, some freshman talk, though, um, because as uh, I set up at the top here, uh, you and Barry talked about it a little bit last week. Um, actually a lot last week, I guess that was the, the kind of crux of the episode, but, um, I wanted to get my thoughts in there too. I was a little jealous. Um, so we did a little gimmick this week. Uh, we each put together our list of, uh, top five freshmen. Um, 
we said true. Uh, I know we made like one little exception, which we will get to probably right off the top here. Uh, we're going to count them down. Obviously, we've got some overlap, uh, particularly up at the top of the list. Um, but just the, the this is just for this season. I, I think we should note, you know, like there, there's some guys like neither of us. I'll spoil it. Neither of us put Jake Garcia on the list because, you know, he's probably not going to play this year if all goes according to plan or is going to play, um, you know, non-meaningful snaps. Um, and, so and, we're, we're, we're just talking we guys saw- for this coming season. And we saw him. Yeah. Is that what you're we about saw- to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more Jake Garcia. Absolutely. Yes. But, but I saw enough of him to uh, walk away very pleased. Yeah. And then, like we said, it's in an ideal world for Miami. They don't have to see any more of him in, in 2021. It can wait till 2022. So we're just talking 2021. I've got some guys that I left off this list that maybe we'll mention at the end of who I think are good and, and important long-term pieces, but I just don't think are going to be major contributors this year. Um, so let's, uh, let's go five, count down five to one. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I, I can, I can start. I, right. um, who's number five on your list? Well, number five is the one that's kind of the exception. Um, he's not really a true freshman, but he did not play last year. Avante Williams. Yeah. Uh, safety. Um, one of like many fabulous Miami safeties or at least really good ones. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's out of, he's, he was held out of, um, play last, last year and really practice also held out uh, yeah. because of some physical, um, situations that they didn't really expound on. I think it had to do with something with his neck actually, but, um, he's back and, um, he, I think he had a, a very good spring and, um, he was the top safety in the country last year, not the 2021 recruit, right. 2020 the 20. recruit, yep. right? And um, just very much like looking forward to, to really seeing uh, what he can do, more of what he can do. Um, he's from out of Deland High School. And uh, you know that I, Manny Diaz talked a lot about him. Uh, during the spring, he said that he's like a hyper kind of kid. And I think I said this last week, he, he's very into, very excited to be playing and runs all over the place. And he's everywhere where the ball is. Um, and um, that's, he's just not as disciplined because he is so young. So yeah. he, he has to learn the, he has to really learn the defense and like all a lot of young players are a little over exuberant, just running around crazy um, in the beginning and just out of their sheer, sheer hyperness and determination and athleticism, they do pretty well. But um, as we know, they have to learn the nuances of the defense and they have to get disciplined and have to be able to communicate. So I'm really looking to see him, uh, you know, get, get molded into a, a, a complete player. Yeah. And like you said, we made an exception for him because he didn't play at all last year. And like you said, didn't practice at all dealing with some medical issues. Um, the way you're talking about him, I hadn't thought about this comparison for him, but, and they're not built similarly at all. But I think that like that style of play that you just talked about, about why you're interested in him, it reminds me a little bit of Bubba Bolden, right? Where he's just like, yeah. he's like playing a hundred miles per hour on every snap and, you know, you see it with Bubba even sometimes, who's obviously an older guy who's a you know, potential first-round pick. Um, 
he gets out of position sometimes and maybe like over pursues on plays or commits to stuff too early. I think you're going to see a lot of that same stuff with Avante. Um, but obviously he's a freshman and uh, has room to work that out. Um, a lot of, like you said, this safeties group is really exciting. I don't think either of us put Cam Kinchins on our list, but he's an, a guy that I thought oh, yeah. about putting on mine. Um, mm-hmm. The thing with the interesting thing with the safeties, they have so many, it's going to be interesting to see who actually gets on the field. But uh, based on what the reports were out of practice throughout the spring and, and what we saw in the spring game, it certainly seems like Avante Williams is going to be uh, getting some, some real significant playing time in the fall. Um, and he is uh, a guy that I think I'll, I'm excited to see in real game action too. My number five uh, is a guy who was here actually in the spring, but we didn't get to see it all. Uh, that's Elijah Arroyo, um, the freshman from freshman tight end from Frisco, Texas. Um, the injuries at tight end obviously uh, made it really hard to have any idea what the tight ends group looks like uh, right. coming into the season. Obviously, Mallory's going to be the starter, but it's a wide open competition behind him. And I think uh, Arroyo, based on his high school production and, and just kind of like what I know, he, again, he's a guy I have not seen, obviously being not from then not a South Florida high school player. Um, it, I, I think he has as good a chance as anyone to be the number two tight end come the fall, obviously uh, Mamorelli, Don Mamorelli and, and Larry Hodges are probably like on paper, the favorites, but I think Arroyo gives them some of that Brevin Jordan type, like playmaking that, you know, I think Don Mamorelli is, he's a really good blocker. I think Hodges has some of that, but, but, Arroyo, like his high school production is eye popping. Um, and he, again, I think he just kind of compliments Will Mallory. Well, we'll see how much they use two tight ends, you know, how, how much a rep, you know, Miami's old pro style type offenses that they were running was always two tight ends. Right. Um, and so Brett Lashley gets here last year and he's got two like all conference, all American talent level tight ends. He's going to use both of them. It'll be interesting to see now that he does not have necessarily two tight ends of that caliber. If he shoehorns like two tight end stuff, if that's stuff he's kind of is going to be part of the base offense, no matter who his personnel is, or if he really feels like he can kind of get by with Mallory as the one guy and Arroyo or whoever is a second, but, but I like Arroyo. And, and to me as a guy who I've not seen play at all, it's a guy I'm excited to see uh, get on the field down here in the fall yeah i agree i'm 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 psyched to see arroyo i thought that was actually a great pick um i know he had i believe knee surgery yeah so uh and i think it was the second second knee surgery um so i uh maybe since high school or whatever but i so i hope he's he's in good good form i don't think i with all the the really good receivers now um i i know i'm right I don't expect Lashley to play as many as yeah. Well. Last year, I mean, that's Will Mallory and Brevin Jordan were two of their five best receivers, right? And like they, they don't, they weren't always on the field the same. No, time. they weren't. So I, yeah, I, uh, I think we might see more receivers. Let's say. Yeah, or, yeah or, I think we both have a lot of receivers that we had under consideration here. Um, and, yeah. and like I said, my list kind of skewed towards guys who I think have a really good chance of contributing in 2021. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Arroyo, even if Will Mallory, even if they go to, even if Mallory gets a larger share of the snaps than like Brevin and, and Mallory did when they were kind of splitting the, the role, 
I, I still wouldn't be surprised if Arroyo is the number two guy. And obviously Mallory has an injury history too. So like they might need him. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your number four? My number four. Oh, okay. An interesting one. Uh, Thaddeus Franklin. Um, running back. Yep. Right out, out of Shamanah Madonna. Uh, a, big, a big kid. And now most of these, since David, you concentrate on, you do a lot of high school coverage and, and recruiting. You've seen more of these guys up close, right? You've seen them in action. And I, I've seen, you know, I've seen the videos and the huddle stuff, but I, I haven't really seen them in games, you know, fluidly. Um, and so I'm, I'm really with, with Don Chaney now injured um, and might not be ready, they're saying, for the beginning of the season for the Alabama game, um, that really puts a lot more pressure on this running backs group. Um, and uh, I, I want to see what Thaddeus Franklin can do. He's a, he's a big dude, right? He's like six feet, 215, or he's thick, right? You've told yeah, me that. He's, he's like a, he's like a, uh, like a old school power kind of running back. Yeah, I, I, but I think he averages like nine yards a carry. Now, I, I mean, he's a four-star guy. Um, I don't know how fast he is. I don't, I don't really know much. And I'm, I've just, uh, I've talked to him a couple times. It's very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think he's gonna, he could be very important in this offense. And you know, running backs play early a lot of times, so. Um, Looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, the re- one of the reasons I didn't have him on my list um, was basically just I think they have three pretty good running backs, and if Cheney's healthy, then they're good there. Obviously, I, I kind of think he's going to get on the field like a lot of these guys, no matter what, because he's he's pretty good. And like I said, I think he's a very he's a very different type of running back than any of the three guys they have on the roster. He is like he is straight out of like 1997, like just <laughs> downhill. Um, not a whole lot of like side to side stuff. He's built that way. Um, one thing I like about him is he's a, he's a really, really good point guard. Uh, like I think we had him maybe second or third team all County uh, for basketball as a, as a point guard. Um, he was part of like a Chabonade team that went to the state final four a couple of years back as their starting mm-hmm. point guard. Um, so, you know, he's just like a good athlete, like, and yeah, you know, point guard. It's that's a, like, it, it, it kind of shows you that he's, like a heady kind of guy, more than just like a, more than just an athlete. Like he, he's a good athlete in the way that like he's good at sports, right? Like that usually think like quarterback, point guard. Like he's got that. Um, another yeah. interesting thing there is that they they did get add Cody Brown also to the class late. Uh, who I think right. is a similar type of running back. Again, a guy I don't know very well, um, being a non-Florida guy. But I, I think Miami clearly when they went and got these two guys. They saw a need, you know, Cam is a smaller home run hitting type running back. Uh, Knighton is like a kind of that third down back in a lot of ways. Uh, Cheney is probably the closest thing they have to like a power guy, every down type guy. Um, but, but Brown and Franklin really seem to be like that true, like you can give it to them. They're going to run forward and like knock a guy over and pick up three yards and you need it too. So I think it'll be interesting to see if – one of them plays, if both of them plays, if neither of them play, I, I tend to think w- at least one of them is going to get on the field. The question will be which one um, ultimately is uh, kind of ahead on the depth chart come come the fall. But, yeah, I mean, Thad, he was like our 
uh, Broward Player of the Year two years ago. We haven't done it yet for this year, um, so I won't spoil it. But uh, for his junior season, he set the state championship record for rushing yards in a, in a title game. He had like 333 yards and won like 40 carries or something. Uh, and then, of course, it got broken the next night. But still, like, you know, he's, he's that kind of workhorse, like I said, old school running back. Um, so he's, he's got a lot of a lot of uh, got a lot of wear and tear on like on his tires already. But uh, he's like he's just a gamer. And, and I he's a guy I like a lot, obviously. Um, my number four I have, and I think it's an overlap with you. I've got Brashard Smith, um, wide receiver uh-huh. from Palmetto. Uh, you have him on your list too, right? Yeah, he's number three. He's my next one. I was going to so, All right, let's talk about it here because you can, we can uh, okay. package him together because your, your third is up next. Um, what do you like about him as someone who doesn't, you know, like you said, you, you know a little bit from the videos, from the highlights, from me telling you about them. What do you like about him? I, I like that he's uh, versatile. Yes. As you know, uh, right? He played he played quarterback um, uh, on the way in the playoffs, these past playoffs. Yep. Um, for Miami, Miami Palmetto, and that's pretty cool, right? The, the, the Miami Palmetto quarterback broke his leg, yes? And, yep. Uh, and Brashard Smith went in and, and led them to victory, right? And uh, – um, I, I, I love that. You, you got to like a kid that can do that. And um, he's also a, a highly rated, you know, uh, four-star consensus, four-star um, receiver. And one of the, you know, one of the best players in Florida um, rated the number 24 wide receiver nationally, uh, you know, but up around there by, by the recruiting sites. Um, and um you know, I, I talked to him and he's, he's excited to get there. Um, I, I just think he's, um, Manny Diaz has talked about him a lot. He has a lot of speed, right. Uh, and, uh, can change direction. And I, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing him. Like I am several of the new, um, receivers. Yeah. In a lot of ways, he is the most exciting receiver because they don't have anyone like him on the roster. You know, they've got some fast guys, obviously, Mike Harley, Mark Pope, but, you know, Brashard, I remember the first time I saw him a couple of years ago, he was a running back. Um, and then obviously he wound up kind of mostly playing wide receiver. And then this year, the quarterback breaks his leg. Um, Brashard comes in, leads Palmetto uh, to its best season ever. They'd never been to the state final four. He led them there. You know, most of that was kind of the defense, but he was like the perfect guy for that as a guy who could just like chew the clock and, you know, it was running for more than 100 yards a game, scoring a couple touchdowns, returning punts. Like, basically, it was <laughs> the games in a lot of, in a lot of cases it wound up being basically being uh, Leonard Taylor and Brashard Smith versus everyone because Leonard Taylor would blow up the pl- blow up the offensive possession, force a punt. Brashard would return it into pretty good field position and then uh, just kind of chug their way down the field by just having him take direct snaps. Um, so, yeah, he's got that versatility. The thing I really – think is interesting about him is um he's like the one guy in this class that was really I guess other than Jake Garcia the one guy that was like Rhett Lashley's target um and Uh he you know the if you look on and these the the things aren't always totally accurate because obviously recruiting is a collective effort but if you like look on 24-7 they list like who the primary recruiter who the secondary recruiter is um for every recruit um 
Burchard is the only one other than Garcia who was a Rhett Lashley primary. And, and that is, he is Rhett Lashley's guy. Like one of the first guys he reached out to when he got to campus was Burchard. Miami was like not really in the mix for Burchard when, um, before Lashley got there, they quickly became a contender, obviously, and, and locked him up. Um, you know, I've talked to his high school coach a lot because he coaches a lot of, uh, you know, he's Leonard Taylor's coach also. And, um, you know, they're, they're one of the more successful programs down here. And he said, you know, if Rhett Lashley wasn't there, there's no chance Burchard is going there. Um, it's a, a which it, to me is a testament to the way that Rhett Lashley knows he, the, like Burchard's the kind of weapon he wants, right? He doesn't have anything like him on the roster. He knew he had to get a guy like him who he can like send in motion, do end arounds, um, jet sweeps, that kind of thing. Um, and obviously, you know, run screens too, and then take deep shots too. And, and I think, you know, even if it takes some time to get into the flow of the offense, he's going to be like a beast in the return game because he's uh, immediately going to be like one of the two or three fastest guys on this roster. And um, like I said, he's just a guy they don't have, you know, he's kind of like that Percy Harvin type, like has, when's the last time Miami has had a guy like that, like Devin Hester, basically like they, they in these pro style offenses, they run, there's not always room for a guy like that. Um, but in the spread, you, you want to obviously want a whole lot of those guys. Yeah. And I, I also, I, I also love that he's, you know, he's a Miami guy. He didn't want to leave home at all. He wanted yeah. to stay near home. He said, why would he, he grew up with you on fam. Why would he want to leave? And I, and I love the story he told me that I wrote about earlier this week um, about James Williams, the, the safety uh, you know, true freshman safety, yep. how, because um, James Williams is a five-star and how he told, uh, um, Burchard told me they were playing against each other and James Williams, who's safety, right, got a pick and uh, he's, and he was so excited because he said he jumped, Burchard jumped on James Williams back to stop them, to stop him. And I just had this vision, you know, I was just, yeah, kind of like him jumping on his back and James Williams, keeps going he said that a whole, a whole lot of guys had to jump on his back to stop him but um that was really fun you know he was t- saying how good this this uh freshman class yeah is. It's, it's kind of a fun thing that i don't think you get at a lot of schools um because of the, like obviously miami is like a talent centralized talent hotbed unlike any other um where all these kids grew up and especially this class where it's what 20 of the 25 or more than that, maybe are all from South Florida. Like these guys literally like all grew up together playing against each other. Um, You know, I think Richard and um, Leonard Taylor, they're both from like Richmond Heights area. I think grew up playing on some of the same teams. Uh, There is, I wish I knew, I, I should try to find, there was a, there was a picture from a while ago of, a bunch of these guys who played, I can't remember what the team was, but uh, like four or five guys from the class all played on like some um, Pop Warner team that was like a national championship team. Uh, so like these guys all like either grew up playing against each other or in a lot of cases were, were teammates. So it, it's a fun, fun group that it kind of is the kind of thing that only can really happen in Miami. And, and in some ways, I know the 2018 class has kind of had mixed results so far, which is probably the, the last great recruiting class Miami has put together before this one um, in terms of like rankings and stuff. But, but it's similar to that class where it was so many South Florida kids, 
you know, a lot of kids who played together in high school, they had the three Southridge kids, a lot of kids who grew up together. Um, and this, this class is similar to that, uh, in my opinion. Um, so we got your number three. Let's skip to mine then, uh, okay. which I have another wide receiver. Uh, I have Jacoby George, who to me is just kind of the under the radar guy, which is why I put him on here. Obviously, Bouchard gets a lot of the excitement. Um, I think Romello Brinson, who's probably, I think, the highest ranked of the three receivers, gets a lot of the attention. Plus, he's like a a Northwestern guy. So, you know, like real hometown hero kind of thing. Um, But uh, Jacoby George just like, you know, plays up plantation, you know, not like a traditional powerhouse or anything like that necessarily. Good program, obviously, but not Northwestern or, you know, they they didn't play in the state tournament this year. They they opted out and played in the Tri-County. but just every game, it seemed like he was going for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And um, I think it's going to be hard for all three of these freshman wide receivers to get on the field at the same uh, this year, right? Because yeah. yes, you know, they're, they're pretty deep there all of a sudden. Uh, if we trust what we saw in the spring, like I said, I think Brashard's going to get on the field because like worst case, they're going to run some trick plays and stuff with him. Um, but I think, Jacoby George is as good a chance as anyone to, to be that wide receiver who really breaks through and has an awesome year. Um, a little smaller, like I think he's a true slot guy, which is a little tricky because like, what are you going to do with Mike Harley? What's Mark Pope going to do? Um, you know, Rambo obviously plays in the slot too. Whereas Brinson is like a true, I, I think they view him as like a true outside receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. George is just to me like his, kind of gone under the radar the whole recruiting process. Uh, so I wanted to throw him a little love with my number three. Um, and because, I again, like I wouldn't be – he is as good a chance, I think, to be a contributor as, as Brinson or as Brashard when you when you take out, like, the trick plays and special team stuff that Brashard is just, like, a lock to be involved in. Yeah, I think they're going to – I think the coaches are going to throw in a lot of, they, they always do. I mean, I'm not saying against Alabama, but they're these, the young kids are going to get, definitely get opportunities, including like we talked about Thaddeus Franklin. I think they're going to play some of the young skill players and then see, throw them out there and see what happens. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know how they'll, you know what they'll end up with i agree that they're not they can't all play but if they're good enough i i think they want to rotate players i do so mm-hmm. yeah I, I think he's really polished which is why i like him i think brinson is definitely the highest ceiling of the group because like you look at his physical tools right um i think he has a chance to be like a monster um but i think jacoby george is, is really polished and you know i Slot guys can get on the field, I think, a little bit like outside receiver. That's a little bit just trickier of a position. I think slot sure. guys have a, have a better chance to get on the field early. Um, we have the same top two, so let's let's do let's do them together. Uh, number two, we both have Leonard Taylor. Um, I think that kind of gives away who our number one is. Um, <laughs> but uh, Leonard Taylor, I mean, there's not a whole lot left to be said about him. He's a monster. He's the best defensive tackle in the country, or was one of them. I don't know if he finished number one. He was definitely the best player uh, in Miami-Dade County last year. I don't think that's given anything away uh, with our <laughs> end-of-the-year awards coming up at the Miami Herald. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to see who our defensive player of the year is. Um, yeah, he's, uh, like I said, yeah. not a whole lot left to say. He's going to – I mean, 
interior defensive line is a, a deeper spot than defensive end for Miami this year, but uh, I don't yeah. know. He, it's going to be impossible to keep him off the field, I think. Yeah, that supposedly his coach says that too. Um, I, I, I haven't really seen him play, and I know Manny Diaz loves those defensive tackles, man, yes. when, when they can stop the run, when they can stop, when they can plug up the middle. Uh, it's, it's absolutely key. Um, that is as long as the uh, UM's defensive ends can come through, but, um, uh, yeah, they much needed. And, um, I really, I really haven't seen him play. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to see what he can do. Part of me does wonder if he's going to be a play some defensive end early on. You know, when he is, I, I don't know what he weighs right now. On 24-7, he's listed at 6'4", 265. Um, you know, I, I think they, I think I they view no. him as a 290 type guy probably no. down the road. I think, no, but, um, UM, yeah, but David, UM has him as a two, UM has him as 6'4", 285. Wow. I, I, That's pretty big then. Yeah, at least at least UM ha- had him, you know, in the in yeah the, when they commit like in when the they signing did the class, yes. yeah, right. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's uh, you got to find a way to get him on the field. His first step is just like absurd, um, and he's kind of a guy like you talk about watching the film of him. Like, it's it's hard to know sometimes when you watch the film because like especially a guy who's you know, he's like kind of a freak, right? But he's not like, it's not like he's like, it's not like he's Greg Rousseau, right? It's not like he's six, seven, like whatever, like just right. pops off the page. He is like just a perfectly built defensive tackle. Like everyone talks about how thick his lower body is, which is like what you want for a defensive tackle. And like, you don't see that when you just watch his highlights. You got to see him in person to see that. Um, but then it's also like, you see the, when you watch highlights, like I said, sometimes you wonder, are they just cherry picking? 30 his 30 best plays and everything else is yeah but um for him it's like every single play he gets in the backfield in high school and obviously it's it's different in, in college but um like for him what makes him so good is just that on every play he is disrupting even if he's not getting a sack a tackle for loss he is in the backfield even if he's commanding a double team um he's, he's blowing up plays so he's the he's the real deal to me um and I actually think he is going to wind up being the best player in this recruiting class, but I don't have him number one because I am just eternally fascinated by our, our mutual number one on this list. And that is James Williams. Um, what led you to put him number one on your list? I same thing. I'm, I'm like, I just love safeties. Yep. I mean, <laughs> that's why I've been covering you a long time. And, you know, m- my favorite UM safety is Ed Reed. Yep. Uh, I just, I've never it's definitely, I mean, if you took a poll of most Miami fans and asked who their favorite hurricane ever was, like in some order, like Ed Reed and Sean Taylor are both going to be in the top four most common answers or something like that, probably top five, definitely, right? Yeah, I well, I Ed Ed Reed Ed Reed would be in my one of my top for uh-huh. sure. Um just uh magnificent to, to watch. And, and, and I know him and I knew him and I was on the field with them when they were going to the, when they, you know, found out they were going to the, when they beat Virginia tech and they were going to the Rose bowl. Um, I, um, I just James Williams. So because of that, 
and he's he's got such great uh everything about him is, is you know it's been so great um and the thought that he's six foot five right and about 230 pounds and he's another local kid and he has such a great back backstory um i just i haven't i haven't really seen him and um i, I just i can't wait to see him in action i mean supposedly he's another one like leonard taylor and i uh, you know, as far as put him on the field right right at the start, but he won't. I listen. I told Barry this. He's not going to start the first game. No way in hell he's starting the first game. I don't think either of that. I don't think. No I mean, way. I guess Andres Borgales no. will start. That's the one freshman who will start yeah. week one. Yeah, exactly. I but and maybe Jake Garcia, if like Derek's not healthy. Yeah, that that could be for sure. But um, otherwise, no, no way. But uh, I I just can't. I can't wait you know, to, to, to see him in action. And I'm wondering if some of those safeties, and again, I said this last week, if there possibly could be some position switches, I know Amari Carter, they were practicing um, at striker, I think. And I don't know if he's playing there permanently, um, but I don't know, like what if they really stink it up as this is horrible, but as far as linebackers go, um, I mean, could James Williams ever, you know, play play linebacker? Maybe. Yeah, to me, that's part of what makes him so interesting is as a safety, he has a chance to be like – as a safety, he has a chance to pretty much be unlike anything we've ever seen, right? Like, that, that there are not safeties at that size, like, right. very seldom. Um, but – if that doesn't work, then he can, you know, I think of the, the first time I saw him play this year, this last season, uh, they played Chaminade. I think it was their opener. I think my, it was both teams opener. I think it was like the first game in, in South Florida of the season after like the pandemic or during the pandemic, after stuff started back up because of the pandemic. Um, and, you know, I, I think James up until this year kind of had a reputation of the guy who's like, was huge, but didn't necessarily always play to his size. Like you wanted to be um, Ed Reed or Sean Taylor. You wanted to be like a ball hawk who played over the middle and, and grabbed interceptions and, and laid big hits on like unsuspecting guys. But when you look at the way he's built, like he should be a guy who's a monster in the box. And so what they did in that Chaminade game, which Chaminade obviously had Pat Franklin, and he's like in some ways their whole offense. Like they've, you know, they had a pretty good quarterback, some good receivers, but Chaminade wanted to run the ball with Thad Franklin a lot. Um, and so for that whole game, James Williams played outside linebacker, basically. And it was probably the best game I saw him play all year. I don't know his numbers, but he had a couple of tackles for loss. I think he forced a fumble. Um, and it was – I remember after the game, uh, you know, all these kids are on social media now, so he knows, like, what the scouting reports and all that say about him. And he was like, I had to show people I had, I had nuts – and uh, he was, he wanted to show he could be an in the box guy. And, you know, he still wants to be that deep ball hawking, hard hitting safety, like Sean Taylor or Ed Reed. Cause you know, that's, that's fun. And, and like I said, he has a chance to be like really, really special, like an all time, like mold breaking player. If, if that all works out just because of his physical attributes. But um, my, I mean, Miami's going to have a lot, especially when they're good at deep at safety now, when they've got Gervin, when they've got, like you said, Amari Carter, they got Bubba Bolden, mm-hmm. um, you know, Avante, uh, Cam Kinchins. 
they're really deep there. So you can get creative with James Williams and play him some striker, play him some outside linebacker. Um, you know, like you can almost give him his own position and basically like every game have him do something different. Like obviously that's that's probably not the long-term like best way to, to get the most out of him. But uh, especially early on, he is like an ultimate Swiss army knife. Um, and like I said, just his ceiling is the highest of anyone in the class. Like I, I know I said, I think Leonard Taylor is going to wind up being the best guy. That's just because like, I can't see him not being like an all conference level player. Um, but James Williams has a chance to be like the, like a top five pick coming out. And I learned Leonard Taylor probably does too, but um like James Williams has a chance, like I said, to be unlike anything we've ever seen because I, I haven't, I can't, I can't remember ever seeing a six five safety really, right? That's all with Sean Taylor. Like that's the, yeah, that's the closest comparison there is probably, and and uh, James is a couple inches on him. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, so yeah, he's my number one. All right. And, um, I do have a couple. I do. I did have an honorable mention. Well, yeah, we, we mentioned Andres Borgallo, so I think we have to mention because, like I said, he's going to start. Yeah. Um, I, and he looked good in the spring game, too. So, like, cool. He did. He did. I, I had one other one. I Quickly, I'll slip in. Tyler I Johnson. Know. Okay. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Okay. So, we'll go linebacker. Yep. And, and, and just because I, his – his big bro is uh, is Jaquan, who is like one of my all time favorites, and yeah, just a baller if there ever was one. Yeah, he is a guy who I think like if you look at the non like four star type guys, he has a chance. I think he's the one that has the the best chance to play a significant role because we've obviously talked a lot about the linebacker issues that Miami has, um, and um, I don't know Tyler Johnson. I didn't see him a ton this year. Uh, it was the one year at Killian. I think I saw him play once. He was like fine, but uh, I loved him when he was at South Dade before. Um, mm-hmm. I know the coaching staff really liked him. Um, and, you know, obviously part of that's probably biased because they love Jaquan so much, but um, they were really high on him. They, he committed early. They, he was kind of a guy like didn't really do camps or anything. Doesn't have like a big social media presence. So I think like didn't do the exposure game, which probably made him under ranked like star wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Miami, they, he got a, he committed to Miami earlier, early, and they feel like they kind of got a steal with him. I'm not totally positive, like what he's going to be. Cause he was like a kind of an edge, like a, a rush linebacker, more than like a four, three type linebacker that Miami has. Um, obviously they've been fine converting those guys to middle guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's the linebacker from this class that interests me. Uh, my honorable mention I put down was uh, Malik Curtis, who is maybe the lowest ranked recruit in the class um, from Fort Myers, Bishop Verreaux. Athlete, like was mostly a wide receiver in high school. They like him as a cornerback. But the, I mean, he's all about speed, basically. And, and he's a guy who I don't think he's going to get on the field as a cornerback right away. And I still would not necessarily be surprised if they decide to just keep him at wide receiver. Um, but He's, he's a guy who has, I think has a chance to be on the field a lot on special teams because he's in that Burchard Smith category where I think as soon as he gets on campus, right. he's going to be one of the two or three or four fastest guys on the roster. So, um, and he was like a monster return man in high school. And the return game was an issue last year too. Like they've oh, got better. Yeah. So like, I think there's going to be lots of those freshmen, like kind of 
in the mix to uh, to get their shots there. And, and he's a guy who is not pretty much on anyone's radar, I don't think, but uh, might get on the field just because of that. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, um, and then we'll come back and maybe wrap up with a real quick baseball talk. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we're back. Uh, Susan, we are into the final week of baseball season before we wrap up uh what, what what do people need to know if they're starting to check back in now before um before the acc tournament and the uh ncaa tournament okay well but miami um lost lost its last game uh to fau which was a big disappointment this week midweek game uh last that was their last home game of the season um, after having a fabulous uh, series, what started out pretty poorly and ended up fabulous against uh, against Georgia Tech, um, they ended up winning the last two games against Georgia Tech. And they the last and the the third game of that series, it was a, this past weekend series was uh, was great. It was a, a comeback, very exciting win for Miami, and it really helped. Uh, it really helped them as far as getting into the NCAA tournament. I know that sounds so dumb because they have a winning record now. They're 29 and 17 and 17 and 15 in the ACC, but, um, and they have a, a very high um, RPI, but, you know, they were, they were not picked Miami. Since we talked to you, they were not picked as one of the top 20 teams um, to, to host an NCAA regional. They're going to, they're going to bring that down. They're going to reduce the 20 to 16 and that's going to be uh, a week from this Sunday. The NCAA will announce that. But uh, Miami starts Thursday night, a series, their final series, regular season series uh, of the year against Louisville. And they're at Louisville. Um, and their last regular season game is Saturday, um, this Saturday coming up. And then they go right to the ACC tournament on Sunday. Um, I think they really... They should win at least one of the three games, okay, against against Louisville. Um, you know, hopefully they don't they don't lose all three games. They really need to win one or more, but they they'll get into the ACC. Uh, excuse me, to the NCAA tournament, I think. And then the ACC tournament is in Charlotte, and uh, that's around Robin. And after that, we'll find out on Memorial Day um, where they're going. And by the way, one of the projections, David, is. Uh, Gainesville to play the game. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's a projection. It doesn't 
but but you know it's if the if florida hosts um it is they want to keep teams for the first round at least in the, somehow in their area as close as they can yeah baseball factors and like the not the smaller sports factor in travel and location much more than uh oh yeah they could, than they could basketball and football do obviously. yeah they can drive to that game and 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 uh you know, and, and Miami won that series this, this year, right? So um, to start the season, that's when Miami was ranked number one briefly this year. Now they're unranked. But, um, yeah, so we have a lot of interesting uh, things to look forward to with baseball. So if they get a win this weekend in uh, Louisville, is that it? Like, could, could, they get, could they get knocked out in two games or whatever in Charlotte and be fine? Or whatever, knocked out in three games. It's the minimum you get to play there. Yeah, I think it's – is it three? I think I it's three. Three. I think, yes, uh, they're fine. It, but, you know, if they if they lo- if they should do something like lose all three games and then lose all the games, I mean – Then it'll, it gets dicey, yeah. It'll be a discussion, you know. they. It's not a slam dunk, but – it should be a slam dunk. So um, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. How would you like characterize this season so far? Like, is it a, is it just unquestionably disappointment? Uh, kind of. Yeah, and it seems so inconsistent, right? The inconsistency is. I mean, I I do think they have a lot of talent. Miami always has a lot of talent. Yeah. Or they usually do. They. I mean, they're you know, recruiting class was number one in the country. This class here, these kids that are true freshmen, they had a lot of kids that came back because of COVID. Right. And uh, I, you know, Carson Palmquist is one of the top closers in the nation. And he he might be the top closer if they, you know, if they had a chance to win a few more games. Yeah. Um, And um, I, you know, that, but, some of the kids offensively were disappointing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been a disappointment. I, I guess my question is, could like, could this team realistically make a run or is the inconsistency just like, so on like, cause it's not just like, it doesn't seem like it's just week to week inconsistency for this team. Right. Like they haven't even really had a stretch where they got like hot and swept through three weeks. Right. They've, they've yeah. just been like, Two good games, one dud. Two duds, one good game. Right? It, or it five, seems... five in a row, or six in a row, yeah. a times, or seven, maybe one. I can't. I have to look through. Yeah. Again. I but, and then you're thinking, wow, you know, okay, they're on the way, and then boom, then they lose. You know, I know they've. For example, they had the two great games against Georgia Tech, and then last weekend. Or the two, you come back games after a crappy first game, and then what do they do? They lose to FAU, and FAU is down this year. So mm-hmm. at home, you know, at Mark Light. Uh, now, I, I know they're playing a lot of games now, by the way, and or they played all weekend three games, and they played Tuesday. Now they're playing yeah. three, and then they go right into ACC. Um, but it's baseball. That's that's the way they do it. So, um yeah, just can they make a run, David? I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I I would never. I'd always have hope. I, I they're good enough that for sure. Why not? I mean, what if they get hot? And uh, and and they're good enough to get hot and make a run. I just haven't. We just haven't really seen it. 
All right. I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, Susan, thanks as always. Um, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Um, you, you covering baseball this weekend? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm covering the uh, Saturday's game. I'll, I'm sure I'll be watching. Yeah. All weekend. So I'm covering uh, the Saturday, the Saturday game, which will be their final regular season game um just to kind of wrap up for people what it means what now what happens now going forward yeah i think a lot of people are probably starting to check in basically this weekend um so you can follow susan on uh twitter like i said and check out uh her baseball coverage also check out her story she talked to uh a bunch of the incoming freshmen as she mentioned she wrote a couple stories uh, on that lots of fun little nuggets like the the story she mentioned about uh richard smith and james williams uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Uh, I'm up in Tampa for uh, two games of Panthers Lightning. Uh, we'll see if uh, they come back home uh, for a game on Monday back at the BB&T Center. But um, other than that, you can uh, check me out on Twitter at dbwilson2. I'll have coverage of that. And, of course, go to MiamiHerald.com. Busy time of the year. Heat playoffs getting started. Uh, Marlins season going strong. Like we said, baseball about to heat up on the college side. So um, thanks as always for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.